You are listening to the RCF Podcast. I'm here today with Rex Fisher, who is the pastor of Perryville Bible Church in, is this Wakefield, technically? It is technically uh, Wakefield, (laughs) Rhode Island. Nobody knows where Perryville is. Our topic today is conflict. We all face conflict from time to time, whether it be with your roommates in the dorms or family, with people in your church, your neighbors, so many different areas of life that we face relational conflict. And so let's kind of get to the root of that. What's going on here? What do we do about it? What's the resolution? So in order to get there, I guess we should start with what is the reason for conflict? Yeah, because we live in a fallen world, Mm -hmm. because we live in a sin-cursed world, we should expect conflict. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we're surprised by it, especially when we're facing conflict with those with whom we're the closest, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, That we should always get along. We should always treat each other with respect and kindness. And when that doesn't happen, sometimes we're we're caught off guard by that. We shouldn't be. Not only do we live in a sin-cursed world, but each one of us are, are sinners. And here's something that I learned several years ago, that sinful people tend to respond sinfully when they're sinned against. Surprise. Yeah, (laughs) you know. And so when somebody offends me or if somebody sins against me, my natural inclination is going to be to retaliate, Mm -hmm. right? to somehow hurt them or bring them down a notch because of what they did to me. Yeah. One of the things that was really helpful for me was recognizing that very point that even in marriage, that it's two sinners that are marrying. I guess when you get married, at least initially, you think she's perfect and and you lose sight of that. And I think we can lose sight of that on a day-to-day basis with people in the church or with our family or friends, and we don't recognize we're all sinners. Yes. If we're going to get down to the the root cause of conflict, relational conflict, it's really our own sinfulness. Mm-hmm. Because if somebody else sins against us, if it was our natural inclination to just let it roll off our back, then there wouldn't be conflict, right? Mm-hmm. We could just take whatever somebody else does to us and uh, it doesn't bother us. And we just continue to do what God would want us to do and everything's okay. But that's not how it is. Mm-hmm. And so James does talk about that in, in James chapter four. Let me just read those verses. Yeah. James says in chapter four, verses one through three, what causes fights and quarrels among you? I mean, he's getting right to the topic at hand, right? He isn't beating around the bush here. He says, don't they come from your own desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you have on your own pleasures. And so I I think to summarize what James is saying here is the reason for conflict is because of sinfulness in our own life. And specifically, he's saying that we will sin against somebody else when we want something and we don't get it. He uses the word desires here. Those aren't necessarily evil desires, evil being something that is contrary to God's moral will. It could be that, but it could be a good desire, Mm -hmm. but one that is something that we want too much. And a good desire can become a sinful desire. It can become a sinful desire if we're willing to sin to get what we want, or if we'll sin if we don't get what we want. In either one of those situations, a good desire can become uh, a sinful desire. 
Where should we start then if we find ourselves embroiled in a conflict with someone? If we recognize we're in this conflict, we know that we're sinful, what do we do? And the reason I ask that question is because from the world's perspective, the world gives all kinds of advice. And we get the the advice to maybe if, if you're in conflict with that person, maybe they're a toxic person and you should just avoid them and push them out of your life. Or the world may say, you know, hey, just work on your, your communication skills. And that's great. You know, we, we need to do that. But does that really solve the problem? We end up in conflict with that person once again. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, the, the cycle begins. Or, or we go start a conflict with somebody else. So where do we start? What do we do if we're in conflict? From a biblical perspective, how do we approach that? It begins with acknowledging that we all have our own default response. And those default responses can really fall under either fight or flight. Mm -hmm. Fight would be an attack response, like I'm yelling at the other person, uh, throwing something at them, something like that. Or flight, which is an escape response. It could be just holding all those emotions in and becoming resentful towards that person, bitter towards that person. It may mean walking out of the room. It may mean divorce, Mm -hmm. you know, something more permanent. But our natural inclination is to either, when we're in conflict, fight or flight, attack or try to escape. And we need to recognize what our unique bent is, because it's different for each one of us, and reject it. (laughs) Say, I'm not going to do that. I recognize that this is my inclination, but I'm not going to do that. Because neither of those is biblical and good. And so usually our goal in a conflict will be either to avoid the conflict altogether or to try to win the argument. And that can't be our goal as Christians. When we're in conflict, relational conflict with someone else, our goal cannot be either to avoid the conflict or to win the argument. Our ultimate goal must be to please God in the midst of the argument. Amen. So I would say that's the starting point. And if that is our goal, that I'm going to please God, then the next question we need to ask ourselves is, then what do I need to do? And then we need to choose to do it. And where we find the answer to what we need to do is looking back to the scriptures to see what God has told us. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk about what God has told us to do in his word. I, again, want to suggest, based on James 4, that after we acknowledge what our natural inclination is, our default response, is either fight or flight, and we determine that our goal in the midst of the conflict is not to win, not to avoid it, but to please God, then I think the next thing we need to do is to focus on our part of the problem. And we need to recognize that the biggest enemy in a conflict isn't the other person. It's ourselves. And another saying that I heard uh, not too long ago, I think it's so true, being at peace with others often requires that we be at war with ourselves. Mm. And that is so true, and we need to think about it. So if one thing we hadn't talked about yet is that I'm a certified biblical counselor with an organization called the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, or ACBC. And if I'm helping an individual or two people who are in conflict, I'm going to ask them to do a self-evaluation. Because when we're in conflict with someone, our natural tendency is to focus on what the other person is doing wrong. Mm-hmm. And right? we're the victim. That's right. And we're not, because in most cases, mm-hmm. we're not. We at least have some role in mm-hmm. the conflict, whether it's 10%, 20%, whatever. We are at fault to some degree. So I will try to help that person that I'm counseling 
to look at themselves and what they're doing wrong. So I'll ask them questions like, what is the situation that you're facing? What is the actual conflict? And let them talk about that. And then I'll ask, how did you respond in the midst of that conflict? And they'll tell me and and I'll say, well, what were you thinking when you responded that way? Like, and, what were you thinking? <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a better emphasis to put it. What were you thinking? But also, and what did you want? Yeah. Back to what James was telling us. What was right. it that you were desiring? What was it that you wanted? And did you get what mm-hmm. you wanted in the moment? Mm-hmm. And, and then thinking back at Scripture, what is it that God says you should have done? So I would go on to say that if we are going to focus on our part of the conflict first, then if we've blown it, then we need to do some certain things before we focus on the other person at all. Mm -hmm. And what God tells us to do is we need to confess our sins. You know, back to James chapter 5, verse 16, he says, confess your sins one to another. So in this case, it would be the person that you offended the person that you sinned against, that you would take 100% ownership of your part of the conflict. Even if it's a small part. Yes, right. Even if it's 1% and the other person is 99% at fault, you take 100% ownership of your 1%. Yeah. And so you need to confess your sin, then you need to turn from it. You need to renounce it. Proverbs tells us the person who confesses their sins and renounces it finds mercy, Mm. finds mercy from God and typically from the person Mm. that you've offended. Mm -hmm. And then third, we need to diligently seek reconciliation with that person. Mm -hmm. Again, Romans chapter 12, verse 18, Paul says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And we acknowledge It's not always possible to live at peace with others because it doesn't depend 100% on us. The other person has to be willing to reconcile. The other person has to be willing to forgive or to admit wrong. But as far as it depends on us, we are to seek to live at peace with others. That's what we're responsible yes. for. And that's that's all you can really do. You're only responsible for yourself in, in that aspect. That's so. right. Now, once you've done that, then we need to humbly ask for forgiveness. And what I want to say real quickly here is that there is a big difference between an apology and asking for forgiveness. Typically, if we've done something wrong and we admit it, we'll just say, eh, I'm sorry. Now, that's expressing remorse, and I think that's okay if done in the right way. I mean, the person who hears that may say, well, what are you sorry for? Mm -hmm. Are you sorry for what you did? Are you sorry that I've been such an annoyance to you? (laughs) Are you sorry that uh, we are in conflict and it's wasted so much of your time, (laughs) you know, today? What, What is it that you're actually sorry for? But when you ask for forgiveness... You are taking ownership again for what you did wrong, specifically. And you're saying, listen, this is what I did. Maybe I yelled at you. Maybe I said some things that put you down. You know, maybe I was harsh towards you. And I was wrong for doing that. I, it, it was a sin for me to do that. Will you forgive me? See, that takes it beyond just expressing remorse And it's what God tells us helps to lead us towards reconciliation, because now you're putting it on the other person either to grant that forgiveness or to hold on to their resentment. 
And if they're willing to forgive you, you're well on your way to being reconciled. That's good. Yeah, because we can say I'm sorry and not really mean it. So you're you're getting to the heart of it here that forgiveness actually goes way beyond just some words. I think you can tell certainly with, with a lot of people whether they really are desiring to, to turn from that or not. And I think even in our own hearts, we know if we're just saying those words or if we're truly seeking that reconciliation and forgiveness. So yeah, I think getting to the heart of the matter, it goes beyond just saying words. Yeah, and let's look at forgiveness from a slightly different perspective for a moment. What are we supposed to do when somebody comes to us and asks for forgiveness? Mm. The Bible tells us that if somebody asks us to forgive them, we must be willing to forgive. 70 times 7. That's right. Even in the church today, I think that there's a misunderstanding about what forgiveness is and what it isn't. Forgiveness basically means to forgive a debt or to cancel a debt. And so if somebody has offended me, in a sense, they owe me something. But by forgiving them, I'm canceling that debt. I'm not requiring anything of them to make things right. Again, forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to forget what what they had done. It does say that the Lord doesn't remember, but it doesn't mean he forgets. It just means he doesn't intentionally bring it up and hold it against against us, us, right? And so Ken Sandy wrote this great book years ago, The Peacemaker, and uh, he defines forgiveness there as really a threefold promise. Forgiveness is a promise that says, in regards to this conflict, the thing, the issue around this conflict, I'm no longer going to bring it up to you and hold it against you. I'm no longer going to bring it up to others and gossip about you. And I'm no longer going to bring it up to myself and hold it against you so that there's a barrier in our relationship. I'm not going to do that anymore. And the standard for forgiveness in the life of the Christian is the way that Jesus forgave us or the way that God forgave us. In Ephesians 4.32, Paul says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And I think that is so helpful when it comes to relational conflict is that we need to not think about our rights. Mm -hmm. We need to think about the gospel. We need to think about who we are in Christ. We need to think about what he's done for us. And now because of that and our appreciation for Christ and what he's done and our love for him, then sure, we're going to do what he wants us to do. We're going to be willing to forgive others the way that he forgives us. And that's hard sometimes because it is a reality that people can sin against us in very grievous ways, right? Very hurtful ways. And I don't want to disregard that. I don't want to minimize that. But here's the truth. And we got to keep this in mind as Christians, that nobody has sinned against us in the way that we have rebelled and sinned against God. Mm -hmm. And yet he is still willing to forgive us of our sin. That's what we got to keep in mind as we are seeking to deal with the conflict. And that really gets to the importance of biblical conflict resolution, that the importance of it is it is a display of the gospel that we display to other people, whoever we're in conflict with, we display the gospel. We're showing them, we're reminding them as image bearers of God and reflecting him. And as Christians, we are showing this is what it means to be a Christian. This is what it means to hold firm to the gospel. And so, yeah, it's at the very core of who we are. So as Christians, we can't treat this lightly and just say, well, you know, this, this command to turn the other cheek or whatever, that 
it's not really a big deal. I'm just going to hold on to this grudge. I'm going to hold on to this conflict because I really don't like what this person did. Uh, We don't have that option as Christians. And so I think seeing the importance as this is an opportunity to display the gospel to that person and to the world around us as they see us in conflict and resolving that, they get a picture of what the gospel is. that's, That's so important for us. Yeah, because there are times when after we've dealt with our part of the problem and we've checked our heart before God, we're willing to forgive. We're also willing to admit what we've done wrong. We may have to confront the other person because of what they did. But even then, we should be guided by the gospel. So like Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, it's a passage on unity. So he's talking there specifically about relationships within the church. But he says, be humble, be gentle, be patient, bear with one another in love. Mm. And I think when we do need to confront somebody else that we're in conflict with, that we need to do it humbly and gently and patiently and bearing with them in love. To bear with somebody in love basically means that you recognize that they have sin issues, but you know you do too. You know that they have weaknesses in their life, but then you recognize that you do too. And so you approach them as someone who may be on a journey with Christ, and if they're a believer, and they still have a ways to go, but so do you. If they're not a believer, you still are called to make peace with them. So the way to do that is to respond in a Christ-like way. And it takes humility. That's another piece that we see in the gospel Christ who humbled himself even to death. And so we are called to sacrifice a lot of our feelings and those kinds of things that we really want to, we want to feel a certain way, or we may want to get back at somebody for what they've done. And we've got to humble ourselves before God, uh, first and foremost, but also before that person. Yes. And you're right, because as we discussed a little bit earlier, our natural inclination is to retaliate or to seek revenge. And yet Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 21, that we need to overcome evil with Mm -hmm. good. So that means we're not going to repay evil for evil. We're not going to retaliate. We're not going to seek revenge. But instead, we're going to do good to the one And why? Because that's the way that Christ has treated us. And because we're trusting the Lord, ultimately, he is the one that that will judge and and get vengeance. It's not my responsibility. Even if someone has wronged me in the worst way and they never repent, they never ask for forgiveness, I have to trust God to handle that. It's not my job to do that. And that's what he says in Romans 12. Yes. Vengeance is the Lord's. So when we go through conflict, it's actually an opportunity to grow in our faith because we learn to trust God with those things when somebody else does not reciprocate. That's absolutely right. And it reminds us uh, that passage in Romans 12 is that peace doesn't just happen. You have to make peace. And that's why in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, that blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. We need to take the initiative to make peace with others with whom we are in conflict. Any last thoughts? Yeah, just just as a way of review, I think the main idea is that if we are in conflict with someone, we need to focus on ourselves first and not focus so much on the other person. And I think this is so helpful that if you're in conflict with someone, it's good to remind yourself that through this conflict, God is seeking to do a work in you. And so as if you can keep that in the forefront of your mind, 
you're going to be less apt to, well, if they would just change, if they would just do that. No, no. God wants you to change. Mm -hmm. And again, that saying that I said earlier is so important. Being at peace with others often requires that you be at war with yourself. I know you said to, to focus on ourself first in regard to the, the problem rather than the other person. But ultimately, our focus first and foremost needs to be on God. And, and the gospel. And the Absolutely. gospel. And when that happens, that is the solution. That's yes. what enables us to see that we are the problem. You yes. Know? Yeah. Focus on God first and foremost. That'll allow you to see the conflict in the proper perspective. Yes. Rex, thank you so much for your time. This has been very good, and I hope that many students will benefit from this. And I hope you'll join us again for more. I think there's a lot of things, little nuances in in this conversation that we could dive into and forgiveness and uh, some specific conflict issues. And so I hope you'll join us again sometime. Oh, I appreciate uh, being asked to be here today. I'd love to join you again in the future. You've been listening to the RCF podcast. You can find more information about RCF on our website, roadiefellowship.com, or you can visit us on Instagram at roadiefellowship.